Thank you for listening to the Scout My Game Around the World podcast. On this episode, we have College of the Redwoods basketball head coach Ryan Bizio interviewed by Christian Oblina. Make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Scout My Game. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back uh, to another episode of the Around the World podcast presented by ScoutMyGame.com. My name is Christian Oblena, your host of the coverage of boys basketball in Northern California and the Bay Area. I'm joined by my second guest. His name is Coach Ryan Bizio. Um, He is the head coach of the College of the Redwoods basketball team up in Eureka, California. And fun fact, he's actually a former player of Coach Scott Alvarez, uh, the man who started this whole site. So, um, you know, when Coach Scott told me to interview um, Coach Ryan, you know, it was it was pretty funny. You know, he he really wanted to say some good stuff about Coach Scott. Um, so I guess just to start out everything, um, when you played for Coach Scott, you know, what was your relationship with him um, and, you know, during your basketball career at one point or what school did you play for him? Um, and how was it like just playing under coach Scott? Sure. Uh, well, Hey, thanks for having me. This, this is great. Um, <laughs> Scott Alvarez, man, w- what a guy, what a basketball life, you know, he's lived up to this point. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate to, to play AAU with, with coach Scott when, when I was in high school. And as, as I was thinking about talking with you today, Christian, I, I thought a lot about Scott and, and, uh, and, and really came to a different realization, I think, of, of how much uh, I, I attribute to him as, as far as my, my college playing career, uh, the way that it unfolded. Uh, he really jump-started me. Uh, and I think if it wasn't for Coach Scott and, and the time that we had in AAU, uh, I think my whole basketball trajectory would have gone – a completely different direction. Um, you know, he was responsible for, for getting me my, my, my first scholarship at a high school and, uh, you know, and traveling with him in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, I, I should make sure to, to thank him <laughs> one last time, you know, uh, because he really went out of his way to, to help me and, and everybody that was around at that time, um, you know, on the personal level, I mean, Coach Scott just has such an enthusiasm for the game and, and a knack for, for bringing people together. You know, all the people that he brought together at that time, uh, you know, we're all still friends. And that AAU team, it was called Cal New York was the name mm-hmm. of it. We had a, a one team in New York and, and one team in California. And, you know, I was living in Eureka, uh, California, where I am right now, currently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that – AAU team was based out of Oakland. So, you know, I would have to drive, you know, that's about five and a half hour drive to, to practice and everything. But the fact that he found me up here, uh, I think is a testament not only to his, his uh, commitment to finding uh, talent, but also bringing the right people uh, together. And I've observed him do that time and time again, not only in his life, but, but certainly in his basketball life. Yeah, I mean, that that's an incredible story just because, you know, what you mentioned about him trying to just his ability to get everyone together and to be determined in th- just that aspect of a community and just to, to, the togetherness of, um, you know, his coaching ability. And, you know, that's what he's trying to do with Scout My Game. So it's really cool to just hear that story. Um you know, what did you what specific things, you know, for in the basketball court? Um, did you really learn about from him? And 
Um, well, what did you like most about like how he coached? Great question. I mean, for me, he, he just, he's such a natural in, in terms of uh, instilling confidence in his players. I mean, I just remember playing with, with so much confidence and, and feeling really empowered to go and, and, uh, and express your creativity. You know, I think that's one of the things that makes basketball such a unique sport is like every, every player has their own, like a, like basketball DNA, their own like barcode or something like that. Like there's never been two guys who, who really play alike, you know? And I think, Coach Scott celebrates that. And I know that, that he really wanted everybody's individual creativity to, to shine, uh, to feel, you know, open and free to express. And, you know, again, you know, he brought together a, a lot of really good players, like all in one place and, um, and just kind of found a way, like in a musical sense, as a conductor, you know, you got all these different musicians and all these instruments and you're in the room and he could just get everybody playing with confidence and, uh, you know, if, if you check off what are the top five, top three most important attributes of a coach, I think for me, instilling confidence in your players it ranks up there really, really high. And, and I think that, that Coach Scott was, was somebody who influenced me in that way early on. Uh, you know, I, I met him uh, when I was 18. So, as you know, that's an influential time. You know, there's a lot of transitions going on, whether you're going to college or graduating high school, all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, staying confident throughout that process, staying confident in your game, uh, you know, trusting your training and, and, and trusting your instincts. Uh, that, that's something that, that I certainly learned from Coach Scott. Wow, that's great. That's great. Do you have any, um, like, interesting or funny stories um, you know, during your travels or during playing, like maybe chewed you out one time for doing a stupid play or, or just during your time with him? Well, you know, it's so funny because I, I don't remember, you know, we're all a little older now. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I remember when, when we were in Vegas, you know, before and after games, you know, I don't know if we saw too much of Coach Scott on that trip, but, but I will say this. I was playing very poorly uh, in Vegas and – was you know was kind of down on myself and I think looking back on it was was projecting the type of body language that as a coach if one of my players was projecting right now I'd be concerned you know and I didn't wasn't playing well and you know and, and coach Scott at a free throw like pulled me aside and and was just kind of making fun of me and just kind of you know made me laugh like what's wrong with you man you're like out now here well, we're in Vegas like this is fun man what are you doing you know Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I just like snapped out of it by, by, you know, through humor, you know, that, that's something coach Scott could do. He introduced humor in a way that would lighten the mood and just kind of get you to quick, take yourself so serious or something like that, you know? And I remember in that moment, it clicked immediately. And, uh, you know, I started playing a lot better, maybe even start having a little more fun. And, uh, that's a testament to good coaching, man. Just like, you know, pushing buttons that maybe aren't necessarily, in the in the prototypical coaching manual if there was one of those right and in, in in a coaching encyclopedia coaching 101 there's probably not anything about humor in there you know but yet it's something like that like a kind of a secret ingredient that that he could push uh, the button on and and get get good times good performances out of his players 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. A coach always needs that one little part about them that makes them different from all the other coaches that just makes them great. Um, but that's really funny. Um, so let's talk about your coaching career. Um, it was your first year coaching for the College of Redwoods this past year. Um, you pretty much turned everything around um, in your first season. You know, you had a 22-6 and six record, um, and you made the deepest, deepest playoff run in school's history, uh, making the Northern California Elite Eight. Um, and so the sudden and, like, forceful impact, you know, you made – uh, you actually won the uh, community, uh, California Community College Coach of the Year. So congrats on that. Um, and you accomplished so much just in your first year coaching. You know, what was like some of your main goals um, in trying to turn the program around? Um, and how were you able to kind of implement some of your philosophies on the team? Uh, great question. Thank you. Um, yeah, like you said, what a crazy turnaround. I mean, I, I don't know. If, if this is true, but I've been told that it, it was the, the biggest turnaround in, in state history, you know, the, the year before we got here, they were, Owen Redwoods was 0-26, mm-hmm. so to flip it to 22-6, and 6, like a, a kind of a net, you know, 42 games, pretty dramatic, uh, you know, off the top, it must be said that, you know, there's no way you can, you can compete in the, in the Elite Eight in, in California, you know, un, unless – you have really, really good players. And we were fortunate enough to have some really good players. One of them was, was an all-state selection, which is uh, you know very rare for a school like ours to get an all-state player, uh, a guy named Thomas Nelson. Ironically, I, I had coached Thomas uh, in high school since he was 15 years old. So I, I've had a, a long relationship. We've really developed each other. And to kind of send him off um, – and getting and he got a scholarship and to kind of go out the way that him and I did together was kind of a storybook ending, right? I mean, I got him as a, as a sophomore in high school, and then he leaves junior college as an all-state player and and leads us, you know, to to the final eight. So we had really good players. Uh, you know, how did we turn it around? The most important thing to me, and this is pretty well documented from the time I, I took the position and, and, and said ad nauseum to anybody who would listen to me that like, you know, you hear talk about culture so much that it kind of becomes cliche, but it is so important. There's a reason it's a cliche, you know, from Owen 26, where the program was, I mean, clearly, you know, we needed a, a different ethos, a uh, different vibe, you know, different energy and a different approach to the, to the type of players that we want to not only attract immediately, but that we want to attract into the future. So one of the things I've always advocated for, and I think coach Scott uh, would understand this and maybe even agree with it, that in this area, which is Humboldt County, way up North in California here, I've always felt that there is a high level of talent produced up here per capita, you know, even though it's a small area. And, you know, when I was able to make it out of here as a player and get a scholarship, I, I remember even at that time feeling this, this motivation to advocate for this area and the talent that gets produced up here, which is so easy to overlook. I mean, you know how many people have never been up here? I mean, no one comes up here, right? I mean, why would you? I've never been up there (laughs) at all in my life. For sure, dude. I mean, look, we got some crazy like redwood trees and like, you know, the, the beaches are beautiful, you know, definitely Pacific Northwest type of beaches, whatever. Okay. But no one's been up here really. And why would you? 
I think there's good players up here. And, and I was fortunate to get the job in a year that we had a really good crop of high school basketball players who were produced here locally. So if you look at the roster, one thing you'll notice is that all like almost all of the players on our team, I think out of the 12 players, 10 of them were literally born and raised within like a, a 20 mile radius of each other. Wow. So, you know, we went on this crazy run with not only all local players, but local freshmen really too. Right. So I knew that I wanted to, to get our local players to stay home and, and prove that we can develop them and send them on to the next level from this program. Did, did I think we'd make an elite eight run in our first year? Maybe not. But did I believe that we had the, the talent to really showcase the players that are in this area and potentially attract, you know, those types of players from other areas uh, into the future? I felt that that was what we wanted to do is to kind of showcase what we got. Let's start at home, show the community what we got. And then it just took on a life of its own. I mean, you, you see some of the videos and the, and the photos from, from those games. And, you know, we had the highest attended, you know, junior college games in the state. I mean, our, our playoff game, it, it sold out in, in three hours. And that was without online sales. That, that was people coming to campus and like purchasing an actual wow. Yeah. Ticket, crazy, yeah. dude. So, I mean, what an experience, right? That that we yeah. all had together, and um, you know, through the pandemic and in, in the last seven, eight months, I guess we have had a little time to to reflect on what we did, you know. And uh, I, I think we all feel really good about not only the experience that we shared together, but also uh, where we feel this program is going and and how much. Uh, equity that all of us have in the program like everybody's got some some skin in the game and, and in a really positive and, and healthy way so what a year what a story uh, I just I love talking about it man Thank yeah you. no please <laughs> um no that that's great um just knowing that um you know for me personally like I've never been I, I live in Bay Area all my life um but I've never made that trip I've always made trips down to Southern California um, I have a lot of friends. I went to college in Southern California, but I've never made that trip up to Eureka or anywhere else in Humboldt County. Um, I've always wanted to. It's just never been in those plans. So it's interesting to know that. Um, and it's great to to hear from you with your experiences up there that, you know, there's a lot of talent up there. And it is a place where kids should be looked at in high school or junior college or anywhere um, because when you find those nice places, those, those other places, even not in California, but just around the country, um, right. there's tons of those places that coaches or scouts, they don't visit, but a lot of players or a lot of coaches from that area will say like, there's a lot of great players down there. Um, so that's yeah. really cool to know. Um, but let's talk about the pandemic and just kind of how that has changed uh, basketball operations for College of the Redwoods. Um, I know that the California Community College Athletic Association, um, they put out like a little tentative uh, schedule. Um, yeah. and so I, I know that you guys are starting practices, like live practices, uh, not until January 2021. Um, and then your first tentative game is, uh, I think, in, in February, correct? 
Yeah. Um, and so how was, how has prepping for the season been? Um, is there like daily practice or like private practices for your team? Um, and are you guys yeah. allowed to be on campus and things like that? Or how, how does that work uh, for now, especially with the school year, um, you know, up and running? Yeah, that, that's a, that's a great question, man. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's been difficult, right? And, and I think most coaches would say that. I haven't really talked to any coaches who have been like, man, this is great, man. You know, we're really humming on all cylinders here. Look, the, the truth is, with all the uncertainty, it, it's been very difficult for recruits, right? Like, we, uh, you know, we signed a kid in Oregon. Like, we, we signed a kid in the Bay. Like, we, you know, we had some guys that we were really excited about. And due to not knowing exactly how it's going to look in California, it's made, uh, you know, in, in the remote education, it's made a lot of life decisions for a lot of families uh, very stressful and difficult, which is, which is unfortunate and, and heartbreaking in, in, a, in a large sense. Of course, there's more heartbreaking things associated with the pandemic than, than basketball-related stuff, it must be said. But it's also such a a nuanced answer because, you know, a lot of these uh, schools are, are subject to the, the rules of their County. Right. So they, they go, if uh, for instance, you're in Oakland, right? Like your County has completely different rules than, than where I live. Right. Which is in a more rural community. So our County has been, a, you know, we're still going remote, you know, as far as education, but we are allowed to get together twice a week, our team, and do practices with appropriate social distancing and masks and non-contact practices. So what we've been doing is basically just getting in there and jacking it up a little bit. You know, we're, we're getting a lot of shots up. Uh, we're doing a lot of targeted individual skill work, you know, trying to clean up guys' handles, um, and, and, and just try to get some conditioning and, and, and understand too that as much as it is about competing and, and about winning championships and going to the next level and all that stuff, a lot of what we're doing right now is, is about mental health, you know, and it's about getting people together around a craft that they love, which they've, they've dedicated their lives to, and, and being allowed to, to enjoy that craft and, and experience it a little bit, right? Um, I don't show up to these practices twice a week, like trying to figure out how we're going to, you know, get our revenge against, you know, San Francisco City College or anything like that. I am showing up to these practices and, and, and with a lot of enthusiasm, enthusiasm to hang out with our players and, and to give them an opportunity to be around their friends and, and the game that they love. Um, as far as how it's going to play out in California, of course, you have all the Division One schools, right? You got Pac-12 and then, you know, San Diego State. I mean, all the, the big Division One schools. You have all the, the Cal State schools, right? The, the Division Two schools. Humboldt State, where I live, is, is one of those. Uh, you know, Cal State East Bay, you know, is in that league, you know, down where you're at. Um, they're kind of waiting, too. And then, of course, there's all the California community colleges and then high schools below that, obviously. We think we're going to get word on – what's going to happen at our level probably within the next week and a half, two weeks. Okay. And I think we're all really, you know, anxious to, to hear what's mm -hmm. going to happen. Obviously, uh, as you, as you said yourself, you had the, the schedule there, um, you know, games are scheduled to start early February and, and kind of live practices in, in a perfect world are going to start in, in January. But, you know, is it going to happen? 
you know, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, some of the percentages that I've heard put on it are, are kind of on the lower end, you know, uh, that, that, you know, of its viability potentially. So I'm not getting attached to any sort of outcome. Uh, I'm trying to just remain calm and, and somewhat neutral and, and just kind of focus on, uh, you know, the mental health of, of our coaches and our players and, and trying to just exhibit, uh, you know, healthy communication with all these guys. And, and again, just ultimately give them the opportunity to be in the gym where we all just really want to be right now. You know, I mean, what's today? Today's October 20th. And we were scheduled to play a, a huge marquee game against College of Sequoias on October 30th. So, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a world with no pandemic, you know, we'd be gearing up and playing in 10 days and it, it, we'd be ready to go. You know, right. obviously we're really far removed from that uh, as, as everybody is, you know, right now. And um, Hey, you know, like I said, there's bigger, bigger issues in the world outside of basketball. You know, we are trying to keep, keep perspective uh, when we discuss these things, but, Look, I mean, you talk to anybody. Do we want to go out there and compete right now? Yeah, I mean, you bet we do, <laughs> you know. No, definitely. Like uh, with this whole pandemic, like it's it's new for everyone. That's the most unique thing about the situation is that it's un- it's new and no one has ever experienced this before. So no one really knows how to handle this. Like even as a coach, you're looking for answers to a lot of your questions too on just what's going to happen in the next couple months. Um, let alone the next week or so, you know. Um, But in terms of like coaching junior college, coaching community college, um, and getting, you know, these players to higher levels of basketball, which, you know, isn't really seen nowadays in terms of if we're looking at professional levels. Um, Obviously, we've had two guys in the NBA finals uh, this year who attended junior colleges, Jimmy Butler and uh, Jay Crowder, who actually both went to Marquette. Um, and then even in the nineties and two thousands, there's a lot of, um, stars and all-stars or just a lot of NBA players who have gone through junior colleges and community colleges. Now, you know, nowadays that's not really seen as much as, you know, in previous generations. Um, you know, why do you think that trend has kind of shifted? Um, is it kind of based off of more popular tracks, maybe like AAU, or is it just more of a situation where there's so much more talent in high school nowadays to, to now it's just hard to funnel, you know, some, so many of these kids into higher levels of basketball. Yeah. I think you just named a, a few of them right there, man, to tell you the truth. I mean, I don't think there's a the one clear cut answer. Uh, you know, I think generationally you get into generation by generation, junior college just kind of looked different to each each group, you know, I, I played uh, junior college at Santa Rosa Junior College, and you know, in those days, there was a, a just a, an abundance of Division One talent within the junior college ranks. It seemed like every team had at least one guy who was who was going Division One. You don't really see that anymore, actually. You know, I mean, of course, there's the San Francisco City Colleges of the world, and in places that have, you know, all sorts of, you know, division one players every year. But I think spread out th- throughout the state, you're not seeing as many uh, division one. I, th- I think you, you see a lot of division two players at, at this level. Um, but to your point, as far as AAU, I think that would have to be a factor. I, I think AAU 
its prevalence, its influence, uh, the way it's progressively made decision making for high school players uh, very important. You know, I mean, you got kids now who are, you know, choosing a whether to play AAU or high school. You know, and and that was never really the case. Um, you know, I think maybe 15, 20 years ago. So I think that AAU, you know, whether that's making players better or not, I think is is a is a long debate that many people are having. Um, does it have an influence on whether kids attend junior college or four-year schools? I'm not entirely sure about that. I do wonder about uh, the specialization that kids have nowadays, right? I feel like there's more kind of basketball players, whereas maybe back in the day there, there was maybe more multi-sport athletes or something like that. I think you're seeing more people choose basketball early and kind of stick with that and kind of find a career in basketball by just focusing on, on basketball. Does, does that lend itself to the junior college route? I don't know. Maybe not as much. I think kids that get a little more specialized might be a little more in tune with their academics and, and create more opportunities to, to attend four-year uh, universities, whether it be Division three, Division two, uh, whatnot, NAIA schools. Um, but junior college to me is so important. And, and you mentioned it with Jimmy Butler and, and Jay Crowder. I mean, those guys, God, I imagine how good they were in Juco, but it's, you know, the Juco is a time where people can really find themselves. And you go on the CCCAA website in California and they have this just huge list of, you know, of NBA players who have, who have played in the, in the state junior college system. So California is loaded with talent. I think everybody knows that, you know, it's kind of its own country in terms of junior college basketball. I mean, we don't even participate in the, in the, the national scene, you know, which has a lot of good JUCOs. I mean, California's got – last year we had 100 men's basketball programs in the state, and that's a lot of players to choose from right there. Um, I know that if I was a Division II coach, I would be always interested in, in, in trying to find the best junior college talent in California uh, to round my roster out with, that's for sure. Because after you know being around the state and seeing how it's evolved over the last 20 years, um, I have a real affinity for this level, and uh, and the transition that a lot of student athletes are going through at that time of their lives, right? A lot of times, go to, kids go to JUCO because they're just not quite sure what they want to do yet. And if you can have a, a positive experience and, and help direct them and guide them to their most natural path, um, I, I'm drawn to that part of of this job and this level as well. Mm -hmm. So would you say like, as a coach, you know, part of your role is to, you know, handle the players as a head coach would do. But, you know, part of your role is kind of like helping them kind of figure out whether, you know, they want to move on to higher levels, levels of basketball, or they want to move to that division two school, or maybe division sure. one. Um, what's kind of like your role in that and kind of helping them figure that out? Yeah, great question. I mean, it, it starts by by really being able to tell them the truth, right? Mm -hmm. And I, you, you got to be able to really have uh, to identify the, the, the talent level of that individual player so you can, you know, set them up for success or at least assist them in trying to find a program that's going to be the best fit for them. Um, you know, Thomas Nelson, for instance, our All-State player who, who we had this last year, uh, he's playing at Flagler College in, in Florida, and he was getting scholarship offers from schools from all over the country. And at that time, 
you know, we, I've been telling Thomas for years, like, I, I think, you know, you are a division two basketball player. Sometimes he didn't want to hear that. Right. Because I think he had aspirations to play at a higher level. And yeah, if you threw him into a division one game, would he be okay? Yeah, he would. Of course, like a lot of division two players. Right. But I think, you know, day in and day out, division two was the accurate level. Once that was identified, uh, our, our chances to set him up for success uh, improved, you know, because we, we knew exactly what level he was, he was meant to be at and, and where academically we could place him. Look, Division three basketball, there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of really good NAIA schools who have, frankly, a lot of money, you know, to give players in terms of scholarships. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, to take it back to Coach Scott, you know, when we were on the AAU circuit back in the day, you know, his goal was to get us scholarships. You know, that's something that he wanted to do. And I know at that time, you know, he had some really accurate appraisals about what level he felt like our games were at that time. So, you know, a lot of us coaches, you know, we talk to other coaches, you know, we, we, we ask about players and what level do you think they're at or the, what about this guy? And, and I think through that assessment, uh, you know, we try to give our players uh, the truth about, you know, where to shoot for. And then once, you know, we're on the same page, then it's our job to advocate for them and, and create as many opportunities as, as we can for them and ultimately make them feel empowered that, you know, they're the ones that are creating the opportunities for themselves by the way they play. Ultimately, yeah, I can talk a guy's ear off like I'm doing right now, but is that going to get a guy a scholarship? Maybe. But if a guy hits seven threes in a game, that's probably going to help him more, you know? So no, definitely. Keep, keep, working on your, keep working on your game and uh, let's be on the same page about what mm -hmm. your goals are so we both can work together towards them, you know? No, that's great. Um, well, Coach Ryan, um, we're running out of time here on our Zoom meeting and I really appreciate your time. You told a lot of great stories. Um, I know Coach Scott will enjoy this episode. I, and I've enjoyed really talking to you and just learning about, you know, your side of basketball and just um, what you've been through and just kind of your you. your massive turnaround for culture of the Redwoods. And, that, and that's really great. Um, so thank you for your time. Um, and I hope you have a great day. And I hope you can stay in touch. And, um, and yeah. Yeah. Hey, hit me up anytime, Christian. It's really nice to talk to you, man. I appreciate you getting me on here today. All right, great. This Around the World Scout My Game podcast starred Brian Bizio, College of the Redwoods head basketball coach, interviewed by Christian Oblina, produced and edited by Tyler Fisher. Again, follow us on all social media platforms at Scout My Game.